Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you. It is a real joy to be with you, especially this first Sunday of a new year. And I was thinking, you know, there's no better way to enter a new year than worshiping God. So thank you for being here on this Sunday because you are setting the direction for your entire year by the way you worship God. If the devil can't stop your worship, he can't stop your breakthrough. And you just released a breakthrough for your year by the way you worship. I, I travel all over the world, and there's just no place worships like this church. It's just incredible. It's like walking under a waterfall to come into the tent. And, and uh, I, I was like, forget the preaching. Let's just worship for like three hours and uh, go on. So every time we worship, we change the world. Atlanta was just changed. Georgia would just change it. Worship changes things. It changes the atmosphere, the outcome. It changes the people that worship. It changes the place where they worship. So all, all kinds of amazing things are happening. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, uh, Pastor Steve and Lindy. Just some of the kindest people. Last night I, I got in and they took me for dinner. and They're just, just wonderful, world class. Come on, tell your pastors how much you love Pastor Lindy, Pastor Steve. World class people. Pastor Steve is such a great personality. I, I was uh, like five minutes late coming down from my room this morning, and uh, he, he was talking to the receptionist and knew everything about her life in five minutes and uh, had found out where she stood in faith and just was creating this template for, for Jesus and uh, just wonderful folks. Thank you uh, for this honor to be with you. And the... Um, I'm excited because I rarely share something that I get by a dream, but I'm starting to have more prophetic dreams because the Bible says old men will dream dreams. <laughs> so apparently I've changed classifications. But on Christmas Eve, I had an amazing dream. When I woke up, I told my wife, wow, God just spoke to me in a dream for the, this next year. And he said, tell my people 2019 will be a year of greater freedom, favor, and fruitfulness in their life. So that's my simple word. This is a year of greater freedom, favor, and fruitfulness in your life as God's child. God's determined for those things. There's a determination in the heart of God to bring his people into the complete freedom that Jesus Christ died to give them. And so the Holy Spirit is always working in that regard, and, and we are uh, free, but we're getting freer. You know you have some space to go when someone else's worship bothers you. Like, well, the Lord doesn't need all that. And, uh, but we're going to, uh, before I open God's word, let me share something funny with you. At least I think it's funny, which is really all that matters, I think. Uh, 
A woman was at work when she received a phone call that her daughter was very sick at home with a fever. She immediately left her work and stopped by the pharmacy to get some medication. When she got back to her car, she found out that she had, in her haste, locked the keys in the car. She didn't know what to do, so she called home and told the babysitter what had happened. The babysitter told her, well, look around and see if you can find an old clothes hanger and open the door. The woman looked around, and sure enough, she found an old rusty clothes hanger that someone else had thrown down on the ground, probably by someone else at some previous time and unlocked their car. She looked at the hanger and said, I don't know how to use this. So she bowed her head and prayed, God, please send someone to help me open my car with this hanger. And so even before she finished praying, a car pulled up. It was her old, rusty, dirty pickup. And out of the car came a greasy, bearded man who was wearing an old biker skull rag on his head. The woman thought, God, this is what you send me? But she was so desperate, she said, okay, Lord, I'm thankful. The man got out of his car and asked if he could help. She said, yes, my daughter's very sick, and I stopped to get her some medication. And I looked for my, uh, and I accidentally locked my keys in the car. I must get home to help her as soon as I can. Can you please help me? The man said, sure. He walked over the car to the car in about 20 seconds, opened the, opened the door. She hugged the man and through her tears said, thank you so much. You're such a nice man. The man said, lady, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison today. I was in prison for car theft. <laughs> and I've only been out about an hour. The woman hugged the man again and, with, and in her sobbing tears cried out and said, oh, God, thank you. You even sent me a professional. There's a great scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul was contrasting the covenants, the old and the new, Mosaic and the covenant Christ brought us. And he was saying that the glory of the old covenant could not be approached. It was unapproachable. And it had to be veiled. Couldn't, people couldn't look at it and it, it withstand the intensity of it. But he said this, but the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So wherever God's spirit is moving, there is a demand, there is a powerful anointing, there is the capacity for greater freedom in the lives of people that have received the spirit of God's moving in their lives. Today, freedom is here. Freedom is for all of us. Freedom is for the body of Christ and the next verse says, but we all, there's some good southern Atlanta slang. We all with open face, unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed or transformed into the same image, even from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. So God never goes backwards. He always goes forward. God never retreats. He always advances. The kingdom of God is advancing in the earth. The church is advancing in the earth. God's purpose is advancing in the earth. God's will for your life is advancing, not retreating. So I can promise you this is going to be a good year because God's a good God. I, I can promise you God's going to do great things in your life because God's a great God. I, I promise you this is going to be a year which you encounter love in a greater dimension and intensity because God is love. So every aspect of God brings us into a greater freedom in our life. 
And so for all, for all of us as believers, God's ordained a special time. And, and we live in such a beautiful time. God's moving in the earth. I just want to remind you, this is the best time in all of history to be a believer. This is the greatest time. There are more Christians alive right now on this planet than all of Christian history combined. God's moving. A quarter of a million people come to Christ every day for the first time. Entire continents are coming to Christ. In communist China, between 25 and 35% of that nation is coming to Christ. In the largest Muslim nation in the world, Indonesia, over 30% of Indonesia now is born again, most of them Pentecostal believers. There are countries in Africa that are predominantly Christian now that didn't have that truth just 20 or 30 years ago. So we live in the greatest time in human history to be a believer. The prophets saw this time through the telescope of insight, and they longed for this time. They, they declared it, but they didn't live in it. You're living in the inheritance that was prophesied to you. We are a prophetic generation. We are a revelation generation. We are the Joshua generation. Moses saw it, but Joshua did it. Moses saw it, but Joshua got it. You're getting what Christ died to give the church. And there is an escalating, increasing, graduating. There is a greater measure of everything God has and everything God is for his church. And that includes freedom. Our freedom is not only just something God wants, it's something God needs. Because it's free people that free people. It's delivered people that deliver. Come on, it's healed people that heal people. It's loved people that love people. It's blessed people that bless people. The kingdom of God doesn't advance without people. It advances through people, through our own stories, our own lives, through our own ex expressions and experiences. For all of us as believers, that's God's will. I declare over you in Christ's name, greater freedom this year, greater favor, greater fruitfulness in every aspect of your life. No matter what's not worked and what's gone wrong, God's not done. Don't give up before God finishes. Don't let the devil convince you to quit about it's something that God's not done with. Amen. If it's not good yet, it just means God's not done yet. For all of us, he's working all things together for our good because he loves us. He's for us. There's a great verse in the book of uh, Exodus chapter 14 and Moses said to the people in verse 13, don't be afraid. We, we heard that prophetically this morning. Don't be afraid. Amen. You don't have to be afraid of this year. You don't have to be afraid of the future. You don't have to be afraid of anything because God's already ordained your future. God holds your future, not the enemy. The power of your future is in the hand of God, not in the hand of people, not in the hand of your enemies. Don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will see again no more forever. The next verse then declares to us, the Lord God will fight for you and you will hold your peace. And God said now to Moses specifically, maybe differently, intimately, in a one-on-one in -on -one encounter, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And so I declare over you, this is your year to go forward. Now, here's what God said to me out of that verse when he, he spoke to me in this stream. He said, God is, I am removing every enemy of the progress in my people's life. Every enemy of your progress is being removed by God this year. And so God said to Israel, the enemy you see today, you're never going to see again. You've, you've graduated because you've grown in Christ. The strategies that worked against you in the last season won't work in this season because you're a different person. 
because God's grace has increased in God's wisdom, God's word, your character, your life, your Christ-likeness, every aspect of your life. So God's removing things that were a hindrance, and they won't be a hindrance anymore because God is with you to help you. Amen? Amen. So God is stopping. God is rebuking. God is removing. He's fighting for you. Here's what the Bible says. If God be for us, who could be against us? I love that God says, just tell them I'm fighting their fight. Amen. The only fight the Bible says we're to have is the fight of faith. The fight to cling to God's promises in the midst of adverse circumstances. To keep believing God. That God can do what he said he can do. That God's promises are in Christ, yes and amen. That if God said it, it's true. And when I believe it, it will come to pass in my life. God has an unwavering determination in his heart for this generation to come into a greater, listen, experiential freedom. Experiential freedom. So that means, you know, um, so much of Christianity was, has been uh, described and defined in Western civilization, Western, in the Western world, as intellectual theological constructs. So we have so many people that know things they don't live in. But I don't want to know any truth that I'm not living in my life. I want truth to go from my head to my heart to my life to live out through my story. Amen. I don't want to just know God is love. I want to experience that love so deeply and powerfully that it makes me an instrument of his love to his people. This morning I woke up. That was the first thing I prayed. God, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Fill me with agape love so I feel your heart for your people. So I don't look at them like Mike Maiden would look at them. I want to look at them like Jesus Christ looks at them. The bride of Christ, that the apple of his eye. I want to see your church. I want to see your people. I want to see mankind the way you see them. Because that's what God, that's how God feels. That's what God is. My, my oldest son had a baby five months ago. Both my boys had babies. I think I told you about Rose Moon in the summer. My hippie baby. And she's six months old now. And then my other son had a baby named Dakota. Beautiful Dakota, and my son was telling me, Dakota, she has three older siblings and her mom and dad, and, and my son says, Dakota gets about 100 kisses a day. She's just this little five-month-old, beautiful, she already got long, has long hair, she's just, you know, uh, to me, perfect. And so every, every relative that gets around her just kisses her, because that's kind of an automatic response of the heart. And today, the prodigal son came home. What happened? He just got kissed to death. And the father kept kissing him with forgiveness, acceptance, driving away, like we sang prophetically, driving away shame, taking away pain, removing the stain of sin. And the kisses of heaven always, God never gets tired of kissing you. Your wife might, but God doesn't, okay? He, he, he doesn't ever get tired of kissing you. But the kisses of heaven because he loves you so much. There's a, another great story in the Bible, and I want to use this kind of as a, a branch out text before we pray for some folks. And in uh, John chapter 11, Jesus is, um, has this miraculous outcome. But the story begins like this. In verse 1, there was a certain man who was sick. This is going to be Lazarus. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was this Mary that anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, Lord, behold, whom you love, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, 
he said out loud, this, this sickness is done unto death, but unto the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So, just a couple points. Having a storm in your life doesn't mean God stopped loving you. God loves you even when life's not perfect. And never misinterpret adversity as God's anger, as God's opposition, or as God's punishment in your life. Adversity is a part of the human journey because of the sin of man, because of the activity of the enemy. But if it's not good, it's not God. So we don't want to blame God for the hurtful things in our life. That happened yesterday before I came here. I had to do the funeral to, to one of my campus pastors who suddenly passed away. So, you know, it was shocking. And, uh, but I didn't stand up and say, oh, the Lord just was lonely for Pastor Jim in heaven and, and just killed him in the kitchen so he could go to heaven. And uh, it, it, Jesus said, it's the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So, so we don't want to lay at the feet of Jesus the things that have the fingerprint of hell on them. We don't want to blame God because the world around us gets a chaotic message when we tell them that bad things and good things both come from God. But the Bible says if it's not good, the Bible says this in James, be not deceived, every good thing. Every good thing comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no shadow, there's no variation. There's, there's no weak character point. There's no capricious behavior. He's always consistently good. He is so much better than our wildest imaginations, our wildest, our wildest declarations of God. We cannot overemphasize, overdeclare the goodness of God. And so Jesus is, is his friends, probably one of his closest friends outside of the ministry circle, was this family in Bethany. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and so Lazarus is sick. I want you to get this. And so Jesus says, before anything's happened, this is going to end in a great testimony. This is going to end in glory. The sickness is not unto death, but to the glory of God. So please get this. You can't wait till December to describe this year. You have to prophesy in January what God's going to do in February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, November, December. You have to declare God's glory is coming to your life. You can't wait for things to show up before you declare they're there. You can't wait for this, work, this year to tell you what kind of year it's going to be. So I declare over Bethel, Atlanta, this is the year of glory. This is the year of increased freedom, increased favor, increased truthfulness. I declare over your life that you're going to have outrageous testimonies of God in every aspect of your story in Christ's name. There's nothing God can't help you with and there's nothing he can't do if we believe him. And so the, the, the Bible, Jesus said, this is going to end well, fellas, this is going to end well. And then shockingly, I'll just kind of fast forward, this, shockingly, Jesus did nothing for two or three days. He didn't move. Because when God really loves you, he'll, he'll trust you with a delay. Sorry, just telling the truth. I don't know about you, I feel really loved today. Wow, I must be really special. And so he delayed, and the reason he delayed, that the longer he delayed, the greater the, the outcome would be. Instead of healing a sick man, he was going to raise the dead man. And, and, and so the longer God delays, the more compound interest is deposited to your account 
and the greater the glory God will receive. It's not that God's indifferent. It's not that God's not moved with your feeling. Christ loved this family as much as any of his earthly friends. But he did not respond to need. He responded to the voice of the Spirit. He responded to the leadership of the Father. And so he wasn't led to leave where he was for another couple of days. And so in the meantime then, Lazarus dies. And Jesus says this cool thing to his disciples. He says, we're going to go wake up Lazarus. He's sleeping. And the disciples say, well, okay, let's wake him up from his nap. And, uh, and, and, and they say, well, is that really important enough for us to go across the, 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 you know, the, the whole world just to wake up a guy? And Jesus said, he's dead. He's dead. I'm just, but, but, he, but here's what he said. I'm going to teach you how not to put a period where you only should put a comma. I'm going to teach you about not sentencing things to death that I'm not done with. Oh, my marriage is over. Nothing could heal it. But Jesus. The doctor said this and that, but Jesus. And so we, 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 we want to stop telling God what he can't do. We want to start bragging. We want to be experts on what God can do, not what the enemy's doing. And so Jesus said it's going to end in glory. And so they go there, and as they come to Bethany, Jesus is met by Martha, and, and she says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. He said, but even now I know God will give you whatever you ask. And so I love Martha because she has faith even in the midst of a very intense circumstance. Because Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The great verse, he that believes in me, though he may die, will live forever. And he that lives and believes in me will never die. And she said, I know that you will resurrect at the latter time. And so Jesus keeps moving on. He's, he, she, she's not quite sure what's going to happen. And then the other sister, Mary, approaches Christ with the same thing. A prayer that's really a complaint, if only you had come sooner. If only you had been here a couple of days before. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he saw her, and he saw the crowd. This is the shortest verse in the Bible. In verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. And so there's, all, there's often speculation. But Jesus wept because, because not La he, he wasn't crying because Lazarus was dead. He was crying because his friends were hurting. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that, that Jesus Christ is moved with the feeling of our infirmities. He, he cares about you. Here's what Peter said. Cast your cares upon God because Jesus, because he cares for you. God cares for you. And Christ knows what you're going through. We sang about the holiness of God, something we really can't, we, 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 can, we, we, we have tastes of it, but we can't fully appreciate it because we are not intrinsically and perfectly holy as God is, but we admire that phenomenal characteristic of God, that he is sinless in every way, he's perfect. And, um, but, it, but it, you know, in the holiness of God, in the perfection of God, in the integrity of who God is, all of us are called to be unashamed to approach God because even though he's holy, even though he's sinless, he has compassion on sinful people. In fact, here's how it went. The Father, the Father creates everything, you know, everything's perfect, and, and, but, but there is a bridge. I believe that there was a gap between God knowing experientially what man was going through and the, the perfection of God. And so when Christ became a man, he endured temptation, weakness. He endured the, the, the battle of the human condition that all of us have experienced. The Bible says, in all ways, tempted like we are, yet without sin. 
That's why he's able to identify and help us. And so now when I go through something, Jesus says to the Father, Father, I know what Michael's going through. I've been there, bought the T-shirt. I know how he feels. Isn't it wonderful to know that God knows how you feel? Even though he's sinless and perfect, Jesus said, I've been with you. I've been in your shoes. I've been in your, your, your similar kind of battle. Uh, and so anyways, they, they, they come there and, and, and Jesus says to Mary, uh, he says to the girls, um, because now my, Jesus stands there, he comes to the place where the stone was and where the tomb was, and he said, show me where you've laid Lazarus. And they come there, and uh, what happens next is amazing. Uh, Jesus said in verse 39, take away the stone. And Martha said, Lord, by this time there's a stench because he's been dead four days. Just three or four brief points. There was a rabbinic teaching, Hebrew thought that was common um, in some places, still common, that the first three days a person was dead, the spirit still hovered close to the body. And there could be a reconnection. After four days, resurrection was an impossibility. So Christ, knowing that everything was kind of tied into a perfect timing, so Christ came when there was no hope except him. And so the resurrection could not be, well, you know, at the second day or third day if he was resurrected, they could have said, well, his spirit was still around. But now they knew that he was gone. And, and, and so Christ now says, listen, I want to do something great, but I need you to roll away the stone. I need you to roll away the blocking the blocking point, the stumbling stone, the barrier between my purpose and your future. And so Christ said, if you can remove that stone, I can do a miracle. Now, now here's the point. There are things in your life that we have to move out of the way. We have to move things out of the way uh, that we've buried things, that we've given up on dreams and destiny and purpose and, and desires and God's will and, 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 and prophetic insights. We've, we, we've, we've said, well, this can't happen ever. This won't happen. And, and God says, just move the stone away and watch what I can do. So when we roll the stone away, he, Jesus does, the, the, you know, the raising from the dead. He honors the faith of people that say God's not done with this. I declare over your life God's not done. There are things God's calling you today to roll the stone away. Come on, turn to someone and say roll the stone away. Lazarus, so, so now the stone is rolled away, and Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. For the sake of the people, I'll say these things out loud. And he spoke so they would know what was going on, the dialogue between him and heaven. And with a loud voice, he cried, Lazarus, come forth. And he had to say, Lazarus, come forth, or else every dead person within two miles would have rose from the grave and come out. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says beautifully in the next line, he that was dead. Here he comes, okay. Here he comes, the, the dead man walking now. And he who had died came out of the tomb, still bound hand and foot with grave clothes, his faith wrapped up in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, here's my sermon. Sorry it took 20 minutes to get here. Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Here's the portrait of someone who's alive but still bound. Let me say it like this. Someone who's saved but not free. Thank God for Sozo. Amen. Amen. Come on. I'm like, 
this year's focus, focus is on sex and money. I'm like, I'm in. Where are you going? Sex and money class? Church. Yeah, it's awesome. So here comes Lazarus. He is alive but bound. And the Lord said to me, tell my people, this year I'm unraveling their lives from every lie they believed about themselves. The most powerful voice in your life besides God is yours. The most powerful beliefs are what you believe about yourself. In this lifetime, the most important thing is what we believe about God. But the second most important thing is what we believe about ourselves. And so God's unraveling our hearts, our minds, our lives from, from wrong beliefs, from lies we believed about ourselves. And so that's a lifelong journey. It's amazing, you know, I, I've been walking with the Lord my whole life and been in ministry 41 years, and it's amazing that God's still unraveling me. I, I, I'm still getting freer. And God willing, if I live to be 243, I'm going to be completely free by the time I go to heaven. But God, for all of us as believers, God says this year is an unraveling year. God's unraveling our lives from the grave clothes of Lifeless religious traditions, doctrines, and beliefs. There is nothing more damaging to the kingdom of God than religious teachings that interfere, that inoculate people, that give them, that give them a resistance to what God wants to do. And so God's taking out of us, he's emptying out of us. You know, some of us come from backgrounds that have religious teachings that are contrary to the kingdom. And so God's unraveling us from those things. From hurtful things, from harmful things. Man, we can't, the, the church cannot be the last place in this culture that allows women to have a voice. We're, we're being unraveled from the lie that women can't do anything at church except the Sunday school and the worship team. By the way, the women on the worship team were awesome. I was tempted to take one or both of them home with me. Hey, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. Here's what I want to say to, to the men that are here. This, this culture is at war with you. This culture is at war with men in every aspect of manhood. Trying to redefine what a man is. Trying to tell us and show us and then condemn us. And, and so there's such a war in just unending ways against men and God's unraveling our lives as men so we can be men of God so we can be loving husbands fathers men of God so we can be single and pure that we can be godly that we can live that we don't have to turn in our man card that we can be a, a, a man's called to be strong not weak God put into our bodies a chemical that makes us half crazy half the time called testosterone. It's a chemical of aggression. We're called to be conquerors. We're called to be possessors. We're called to be protectors of our family. All those instincts are given to men. That doesn't make a woman any less than us. We're just different than you ladies. We're different because every cell in my body is different from every cell in my wife's body. Men are different than women. So, so God's unraveling us from every lie. 
we believed about ourselves, from the curses of our families, from the bad examples, from the heartache or traumas or sinful uh, uh, moments of our past, God's unraveling us. And I declare over every man in this room that this is your year for greater freedom in Christ. That God is setting your heart free. Come on, my wife, this, this scripture means a lot to me because my precious wife calls me Lazarus. She does frequently because of our unbelievable resurrection story that everyone in my city gave up on me but Mary and Jesus. Not, not the Virgin Mary, but my wife Mary and Jesus. And that God gave me a resurrection because he's a resurrection God. And, and so that, 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 that's, but I want to say to you, I don't know what you're going through, what you've been through, what you're facing. I just know your freedom is here. I'm going to ask the men, if you wouldn't mind standing up, men, right now. Thank you, God, for these men. Ladies, I just want to say this. When I was a boy, I grew up in the church, and especially in, you know, the Pentecostal charismatic church, one of the greatest miracles that the early church, you know, the early Pentecostal movement ever saw was when a man came to church. There was literally like seven girls for every man at church, you know. And so a man would walk in, and all the single girls, my prayers answered. But look at all the men of God here today. Look at all the godly men here today. Ladies, stretch your hands toward the men, young men, whatever age men around you. Father, we pray for these men now. God, I declare over these men, your sons, your sons, so loved, so so celebrated, so valued, so priceless, so unique, so in every possible way, irreplaceable. And God, we declare over every man in this room and those listening that their freedom this year is going to move to a greater place. We declare, God, that they are free from every bondage, every lie every false belief, every assault on their identity, every heartache that they've been carrying, every trauma that's tried to impact their lives. We declare freedom to these men of God in Christ's name. We declare this is going to be their best year ever, their freest year ever. We declare your favor over them. We declare God new realms of favor that they know that you're for them, that they know favor is not something they have to beg you for. They just got to walk in because of Jesus. And God, we thank you for greater fruitfulness in their life this year in every aspect of their life. Thank you, God, for the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage and for the freedom you've given us in Christ. And we declare it over every man here. We bind the weapons of the devil. We declare, God, that freedom comes and freedom is here. Come on, man, let's receive it. Let's drink it in. Let's thank God for it. Thank you, God, for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Come on. I, I don't know if the worship team can help me. Thank you, God. Come on, man, just raise your hands in heaven a little bit longer. I break the curse of premature death off of you if it's in your family. God, I thank you that immorality is being conquered. 
that pornography is being broken off of hearts and minds. God, that bad self-image, that rejection, God, is being broken and conquered because of your loving acceptance, your care, the embrace of your heart for us. Thank you, God, for a new season, God, a new vision, a new God outlook, a new perspective, a new divine understanding of the future. I pray that you would give these men, young men and old men, visions and dreams, that they would dream about the great things you have for their lives this year. God, that they would see that you have a future of greater freedom, of greater favor, of greater fruitfulness, and they would walk into that future. I pray, God, that you would give them wisdom concerning decisions. I pray, God, you would heal their families and bless their children, bless their spouses, bless their siblings. I pray that you bless their businesses supernaturally. Raise up, God, kingdom into entrepreneurs in this church that sovereignly step into a new favor. In Christ's name, God, thank you. Thank you, God. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God praise, everybody. Good God. Man, would you sit down? In Luke chapter 13, Jesus came to church, came to the synagogue, to the temple. And as he came there, the Bible says there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity and she was bent over and could in no wise, no way straighten out herself. It's so important that when someone's suffering and you're not that you don't slap them on the back and say, just get over it. Because there are some things you can't get over without Jesus. Here's what I found out after facing a manic, serious suicidal depression for two and a half years, 20 years ago. That time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus heals all wounds. That's what I found out. That's what I found out. And so Jesus is there. And he looks at this bent over woman, and, and she's a portrait of a woman's heart being so broken and so burdened that her life is disfigured by the pain she's carrying. And, and, and God made, I, I, I love all the women in my life, my wife, my two daughters, my two daughter-in-laws, now my four granddaughters. Man, they're just wonderful. I have a granddaughter named London. She's so precocious. She's so fun. I just like to walk around listening to her because she just says the funnest things ever. And uh, one day, she was about three, she grabbed my face, squeezed my cheeks and said, Poppy, you're the funnest person in the whole world. And that's going to go on my tombstone. Here lies the funnest person in the whole world. And... Uh, but, and, and I just don't want anything hurtful to ever happen to them. You know, but I can't stop that. But here's what I know. I know how to get them better. I, I know that by encountering God, He heals broken hearts. And my sisters, Jesus was at church and He said, looked over the woman. He says, woman, you are loose through your infirmity. And immediately the Bible says she, she stood straight up. And her life was transformed by one encounter with Jesus. 
You don't have to live your whole life carrying the pain. Uh, the women in, um, in my life, they, they carry their families. They carry all this pain and their heart's so big, so beautiful. A woman's heart is such a beautiful thing. But God says, you don't have to carry. You don't have to be bent over anymore by the burdens, by the pain, by the disappointment, by the trauma, by the injury, by the loss, by the grief. You can be free. I'm going to ask the ladies in the church if you would stand up. All the women, young and old. Brothers, would you stretch your hands toward our dear sisters. God, thank you for your love for these awesome women. Every one of them, the apple of your eye. Every one of them, priceless, a unique, one-of-a-kind masterpiece. Every one of them, irreplaceable. Every one of them, celebrated and valued to the greatest extent, God, in your heart. And we declare over these women, God, that this is their freedom year. That, God, they're not going to have parts of their heart still occupied by grief. That they're not going to live their whole life bent over by carrying the burdens of family or children or other things that aren't right. But you're, you're, you're loosening them. You're loosening them to the freedom that they were always meant to have. Like eagles uncaged. We declare over our sisters God freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I declare over you my, sis, my precious sisters in Christ, you are loose from your infirmity. I break the hold of every lie, every stronghold of the enemy. I command grief and trauma to leave your soul. And I declare over you that this is your year for a greater joy than you've had in years. This is your year for a greater hope than you've had in years. And like Pastor Lindy said, that this is a new season, that something's changed in the atmosphere. A sound has been released with your name. And God has loosed your life for the, for the purpose you were made for. And God, I thank you for healing. Thank you for physical miracles. Thank you, God, for healing minds. I command anxiety to leave your life. I command fear and phobia, panic attacks and stress to leave you in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I declare your freedom, your love, your hope, your strength, your blessings. I declare over every woman here in Christ's name. That they're coming in the greater freedom this year. That they're coming in the greater favor this year. They're coming in the greater fruitfulness this year. And every realm of their walk. Thank you, God. I've heard this. I think I've never heard it for a man, but I've heard it maybe a hundred times for women. When I've been praying for someone and the Lord said to me, the things they whisper in prayers on earth, I hear like shouts in heaven. Thank you for praying, mothers and daughters and wives. Thank you for praying for your families. God's going to help you translate the compassion you feel for others, not into a burden you must carry, but into an intercession so that you can release those, that compassion into a life-transforming event in that person's life. God, thank you for your care. God, I, I hear the sound of babies. I pray for any mother in this room or any wanting to be mother that's wanting child, God, open her womb. And I pray for every mother, every wife, every daughter, that this is the year, God, of great victory, of great deliverance, of great 
of great increase in every realm. In Christ's name, thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody worship the Lord. Thank God for what he's doing in this lady's life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Just lift your hands to heaven, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.